morning, Sherwood Oaks West. Um, I am so glad to be here with you all this morning. I've been uh, praying for, for this day for you all. In fact, I pray every single day um, for, for this church family. And I am, I am excited to see what God is doing and is going to continue to do uh, in the future of this faith family with the growth happening on, on the west side of Bloomington, uh, the good things that God is doing through this church and in this church. And as you all enter into the next season, the next phase of this ministry, uh, just I, I think that God is going to continue to just pour out blessing after blessing on this church family as you are serving and loving one another, serving and loving this community and helping more people know, love, and follow Jesus. And my prayer is that you will continue to, to grow as you reach more people with the good news of Jesus, people who are maybe far from him right now, people who don't even know the hope of Jesus can be true for them or exist in their life, people like, like me as I was growing up. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home uh, parents. We never attended church. We tried uh, attending church one time. Did not go well. Uh, parents did not feel welcome. My dad walked in through the door, and, and I think someone was trying to be funny, but he looked at him and said, well, there's the heathen. And uh, we just never went back to church after that. My dad's like, I don't need that kind of judgment in my life. I have enough. Uh, and so they just didn't go back to church. And so that's like the home that I grew up in. There was really not a whole lot to do with, with faith things, with Jesus things. And so you can imagine my parents surprised when I became a Christian at the age of 18. And not only that, I told them that I was going to go to Bible college. Um, true story, I had to convince my mom and dad that I was not joining a cult. <laughs> like I remember my mom crying in their bedroom going, I'm never going to see him again. I'm like, it's not a cult, I promise. It's an accredited college. And uh, so I finally was able to convince them, like, let's just go and check it out. And, and so we went. My parents, they didn't really understand what I was doing, why I was going to Bible college. To be honest, I was like two weeks in my faith. I didn't understand. I didn't know what I was doing going to Bible college, but I kind of trusted that the Lord did, and I wanted to surrender to, to him. And so they eventually realized, okay, yeah, this place is legit, and once Sean comes back to his senses, he can just transfer his credits and go back to do what he was going to do. And, uh, but the thing is, I never came back to my senses. <laughs> I'm still uh, in this weird journey of following Jesus, and I love it. But my parents didn't really know what Bible college was. And that's fair. I have a feeling that they probably just imagined that Bible college was sitting around a campfire, praying, reading Bible, singing Kumbaya the entire time. And so the first Thanksgiving back my freshman year, uh, you know, again, coming from a, a family that didn't really have faith, we Thanksgiving dinner, we just loaded up our plates and started eating, right? And before we, we started that Thanksgiving, my dad said, hey, Sean, before we load our plates, why don't you have a word of prayer? And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty remarkable. And then he said, let's see what this college education is getting us. <laughs> and ever since then, whether it's family gatherings or really pretty much any group gathering, I'm always the dp -er, uh, the designated prayer. Um, and unless we're in elders meetings, in which case uh, that, that title goes to Tracy Fox. Uh, Tracy Fox is the DP -er for our elders meetings. Uh, in fact, I was part of Rotary Club in Rhode Island, and uh, that was my nickname, DP. I would walk in, hey, DP's here. And I think that some people thought that that was like my name or my initials. Uh, I was the designated prayer. So if we sat down like over lunch or over coffee this week, and I said, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your prayer life? What, what would you say? Kind of think about that for a moment. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your 
prayer life. If I'm honest, most days I fall somewhere between a three and a seven. <laughs> I kind of have this range. Some days it's better than that. And some days it's worse than that. I feel like I still have a lot to learn about prayer, and especially as I listen to guys like Tracy and others who who prayer just seems to come as naturally as breathing to them. There's this connection and dependency on the Father that I just look at that. I'm like, man, not only do I want their prayer life, but man, I desire that connection with the Lord too. And so I know I still have a lot to learn about prayer. But how about you? Do you feel like your prayer life is rich and vibrant? That's life-giving? That, that it fuels your relationship with the Father? There's this deep spiritual connection, maybe an ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. Or would you describe your prayer life as maybe a little bit more of a struggle, a strain? Somebody asks you, how's your prayer life? And you're like, uh, what's a prayer life again? <laughs> Not quite sure what that is. <laughs> maybe you feel like just because of where you've been or what you're going through right now, your prayer life is is empty. Maybe, maybe it used to be strong. Maybe it used to be that seven, that eight, that nine. And, and now because of just situation or because of life, you feel like there's this disconnect between you and the Father. And it's not what it used to be. And, and, and you desire that. You just wish that it would come back again. Maybe you're going through a season of doubt right now. And you wonder, man, is God even listening to me? Is there a God to listen to me? And you feel like your prayers go up to the ceiling and then they just kind of drop right back down to the floor that they're not being heard. Maybe you struggle with prayer because you don't know how to do it. You feel like you don't know how to do it. You know how to do it. <laughs> but you feel like you don't. You feel like there's no way that God would listen to someone like you. If you ever felt that way, maybe you're feeling that way right now, I want to let you know like, you're in good company. I, I guarantee you there are people in here right now with me that could raise their hands and say, we've been there. Maybe not exactly where you are, but we've been in a place like that, and we know, we know what that's like. I think even Jesus' first followers, they, they knew what that was like. They, they, they wanted Jesus to teach them how to, to pray. They, they had seen Jesus pray. They'd been with Jesus as he, he prayed, and, and as they watched him do it, they realized, whoa, we don't pray like that. It's like, I, I think I know how to play basketball, but if I were to watch Michael Jordan play basketball, I'd be like, nope, I don't know how to play basketball. That's probably about how the disciples felt. They're like, oh yeah, we know how to pray, and then they watch Jesus pray. No, we have no clue, and so actually, it's one of the requests that they made in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. It's the only thing recorded that we have the disciples say, Jesus, will you teach us how to do that? And that's fascinating because you think about everything that the, the disciples saw Jesus do. Andy Stanley points out that, that, the, that the disciples saw Jesus perform miracles. They saw him teach. They saw him call out religious leaders. They saw him uh, make the marginalized feel included and loved by God. All of these things. And yet the only thing that the disciples said, Jesus, can you teach us how to do that, is, is prayer. That there was something so unique about his prayer life that, that the disciples said, we don't do it like that. We, we've never seen it like that before. Teach us how to pray. What we find throughout the gospel, throughout the account of Jesus' life, is that prayer was an essential part of Jesus' life and ministry. 
It's all over. It was how he maintained his relationship with the Father. It's how he maintained his mission and his direction and, and stayed on course. The Gospels record 33 different times that Jesus prayed. It was at every major turning point or crisis in his life. Jesus would often slip away to quiet places to pray, sometimes all night to be with the Father. As crowds were looking for him, Jesus would be off praying. Jesus prayed with his disciples, for his disciples. Jesus even prayed for us in John chapter 17. And there are a couple of places where Jesus teaches us how to pray. One of them is in response to the disciples' request in Luke 11, but then also in our text for today, in the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible app, I can't recommend highly enough the YouVersion Bible app. It is fantastic. Uh, you probably even have time to get on, download it, and, uh, and have it pulled up and ready to go before we get to our text. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 today. And part of the text that we are looking at today is known as the Lord's Prayer. And in it, Jesus gives us his, his model for, for prayer. And, and John Robertson pointed out this, this week um, something that Rick Warren said about the Lord's Prayer. He said that it's, the Lord's Prayer is a model, not a recipe. A model is something that you can kind of build upon. It gives you a framework to kind of fill out. A recipe is something that you follow step by step by step. A recipe is you put this in, you put this in, you put this in, and then this pops out. That's not what prayer is. And so Jesus gives us a model for how to pray, not just a, a recipe. And, and before he begins to teach us about what prayer is, Jesus starts by teaching us what prayer is not. And the first thing is that prayer is not a performance. And prayer is not about looking good on the outside, looking spiritual. It's about seeking God and a deeper relationship with him on the inside. That's what prayer is about. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 5. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, which is another word for the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of his time. <laughs> Don't be like them, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Let's pause right there. What Jesus is saying is that for some people, when they pray, the only thing that they desire is to be seen by others. They want others to look at them and go, whoa, look at how religious that person is. Look at how spiritual they are. And Jesus says, listen, if that's what you want, then that's what you're going to receive in prayer. That's the only thing that you're going to receive is the attention and the recognition of, of others. Dallas Willard puts it like this in The Divine Conspiracy, which if you want to do a super deep dive into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there is no better book than this. And, and, and in this section, he says, um, because they had not involved God in what they were doing, he does not intrude on their project. <laughs> like They have their goal in mind, and God's like, hey, have that. I'm not going to get in the way. Because God rarely gets in the way of what our hearts truly are pursuing. And he mentions the same thing a couple of different times in Matthew 6. He talks about it in giving. If we give just for the recognition of others, we've gotten everything that we wanted. If we fast just for the recognition of others, we've gotten everything that we wanted. 
And so Jesus says that it's not about being seen, it's about what is inside of our hearts, even when it comes to serving, even when it comes to attending church. If we're doing it for the recognition of someone else, our ego may swell, but our soul will shrivel. Instead, Jesus says in verse 6, and I I like how the, the message paraphrase captures it, Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. So the person whose heart is in the right place with God and who understands what prayer really is, they don't need anyone else to know that they are praying. It's okay if other people know that they are praying, but their ego doesn't need other people to know that they are are praying. They understand that prayer is about fueling our relationship with God, about leaning further into Him to trust Him more. And so prayer is not a performance. That's good news for us today. Some more good news is that prayer is not about saying the right words either. It's not about saying the right words in the right order. We have, um, we have a few Amazon Echo Dots, the Alexa devices around our house. We have a couple upstairs, a couple downstairs. And, and so those are fun because you, know, you can just say, Alexa, do this, and she'll respond with whatever that was, play music, uh, you know, tell you a joke, uh, anything like that. And uh, a couple of Christmases ago, my in-laws got me uh, these smart light bulbs and, and smart plugs, which as a tech nerd, like spoke my love language. I was like, thank you so much. This is fantastic. And so I plugged them all in. We got these, you know, over our house and I went into to the Alexa app and I like programmed it. When I say this, do this, 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 this. And so in fact, we even have one uh, routine that's like, I say this and like eight different things um, happen. But here's the thing. I have to say, that exact phrase as I programmed it in or else nothing will happen except for Alexa going I don't know what you want me to do can you rephrase that (laughs) and I think a lot of times that's kind of how we approach prayer like we think that we have to say the exact right words in the exact right order to get God to listen to us. When Jesus is saying, no, it's not about that. It's not about the words that you use. It's not about the position of the words. It's about the posture of your heart. Prayer is about getting our heart right with the Father. Jesus says in verse 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. The, the King James says, because of their vain repetition. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He says people that don't understand the heart of the Father, they think they have to impress them with Him with their, their many words, or they, they think they have, they have to get His attention like a kid going, Mom, 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 Mom. <laughs> I'm coaching my daughter's upward basketball team this year for the first time. Our first game was, was yesterday, and we were in the little snack room after the, the game, and, uh, you know, there were some parents and some players, and uh, one of the, the, the little kids on another team was going, Mom, 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 trying to get his mom's attention, and finally one of the moms was like, there's a lot of moms in here. You're going to have to let us know which one you want. <laughs> 
but with people who don't understand the heart of the Father, that's how they approach prayer. Well, there's a lot of gods out there, and so I have to just kind of say the right words and just keep repeating it and shout even louder so that maybe that God will hear me. And, and what they don't understand is that the Father's heart is already drawn to you. The Father's heart is already with you and for you and listening for you to breathe even just the simplest of prayers. That there's no secret or magic formula to the words, prayer is a conversation with our Heavenly Father who knows us and who loves us and who desires a relationship with us. And so how do we pray? It's the question of the disciples, and I imagine it's probably still a question that we ask every now and then. So this is what Jesus says. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you grew up with the King Jimmy version in your heart, then you know it continues, right? And maybe even your Bible has a little note on the bottom like mine does that say some later manuscripts also included for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Or amen, whichever your preference is. <laughs> we can spend an entire series unpacking just the beauty of these five verses. And you'll get to do a little bit of that in your Core 52 reading this week. If you're following along in the book, if you don't have the book, man, it's so rich so good. I know you can pick one out in the, the table as you leave today. And you'll talk about it in your groups. But, but here's, here's what I found as I have taught over the years on prayer, specifically on the, on the Lord's Prayer, is that the, the teacher in me wants to like search all the commentaries and read all these books and give you just some really cool facts about the Lord's Prayer so that we walk out of here knowing more about the Lord's Prayer. But that's not our desire, is it? And that's not why we're here. We're not here to learn more about the Lord's prayer. We are here to grow closer to the Lord through prayer. That's our desire. And so instead of teaching on these verses that, depending on your background, may or may not be familiar to you, I want to close today by putting them into practice, to, by using them the way that Jesus intended for them to be used as a model for prayer. And so here's what I'm inviting you to, to do. If you want, it's an invitation. You can be like, ah, get this fool off the stage. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> That's all right. But I'm inviting you just to sit comfortably in your seat and relax. There's not many preachers that will tell you that because we're afraid that you might fall asleep. But that's okay. If you fall asleep, that may be exactly what you need today. I had a professor in college that said there, there's sometimes nothing more spiritual than taking a nap. Amen. Um, and if that's what you need to do today, then have at it. But I just invite you to get comfortable in your chair. <clears throat> Put your feet on the floor, kind of relax them. I don't know where you carry your stress and your tension. I carry it right here in my jaw. <laughs> kind of works its way into my neck and my shoulders. So let's just kind of start at the top and work our way down. Kind of relax your jaw. Relax your neck, drop your shoulders. If you're crossing your arms and you want to, sometimes that's most comfortable, but just kind of let them relax. Feel the tension and the stress. 
move out of your body, down through your gut, (laughs) your legs, now your feet into the floor. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer this morning, guided by the Lord's prayer. And so I'm going to read a verse and talk a little bit about it and then invite us to, to pray through it. And Jesus starts with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We hear that word heaven and think otherly, far away. But that's not actually the word that Jesus uses here. It's not, it's not heaven, it's heavens. It's the heavens. It's this idea of all this space, this, this, this place of, of um, oh, where's the, the phrase that I'm looking for? That God is, is, is near us. It's the spiritual realm, the unseen realm that is, that is all around us. It's not just this far off place. It is the place that is as near as the air that we breathe. That's where our heavenly father is. He is far off, but he is also incredibly close. He is holy and he is otherly, but he knows us by name and he is working for our good. And so let's spend some time praying that we would become more aware, that you would become more aware of God's presence with you and around you. I say that sometimes my prayer life is, uh, you know, seven, eight, sometimes it's a three. Uh, I don't know where you are, but my mind gets distracted very easily. I call it like chasing rabbits in my prayer life. <laughs> and uh, and that, that actually happened just now as I was listening to the fan going, rant, 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 rant. <laughs> and so if your mind got distracted, that's okay, mine did too. Let's just kind of pull it on back, pull it on back. <laughs> the God who is with us. And we continue this prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven comes whenever King Jesus gets his way, whenever the the life as he wanted is how it happens. And and it comes in us and it comes through us. Like we take the kingdom of God that's already there, then we put flesh on it and, and we take it to our place of work and to our schools and to our homes and into our community. And so let's just spend some time praying, God, bring your kingdom in my life and through my life to those around me. Give us today our daily bread. Nothing more, nothing less. God, I trust you to provide. 
for me today and that you'll provide tomorrow. Trusting that he will take care of today's problems, today's needs, today's pains and heartaches, and you can address tomorrow when they come. But prayer is about learning to trust God for today, which relieves us of our anxieties for tomorrow. And so what what is causing your heart to be anxious today? To fear, to worry. I invite you to spend some time casting those cares on the Lord who loves you and ask him to give you just what you need for today and to trust him for tomorrow. Give us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is saying, Lord, I'm going to take our vertical relationship and I'm going to extend it in my horizontal relationships. I'm going to take the grace, I'm going to take the forgiveness that I did not deserve, and I'm going to extend it to others who may not deserve it. Again, prayer is about surrendering our wills and trusting God. And so is there someone that you need to forgive today as you have been forgiven? I invite you to pray for that person right now. I invite you to do what Jesus told us to do. One of his most audacious teachings, Jesus says, pray a prayer of blessing over your enemies. Is there someone that you need to pray a prayer of blessing over today as you seek to forgive them? Pray for the strength and the surrender to take steps towards reconciliation. Then restoration of that relationship may not be the most wise thing to do, but pray for the ability to forgive. not attend temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think this is like praying the first beatitude that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Through prayer, we recognize that we have nothing on our own to offer God, no strength on our own. It is admitting that we need his guidance, his protection, his provision in all things and for all things. And so as we close out this time of prayer, confess your dependence and desperation for the Lord in all things and for him to care for and protect your heart.
think at its heart, the Lord's prayer is a prayer of surrender and surrendering our wills and our ways to the will of God and his ways in and through us. Surrendering to a point of living and loving the way that reflects the way that he lives and and, and loves. And Jesus gets at this over and over. Your kingdom, your will. Lord, do through me what you've done in me. It's, it's teach me to obey because I can't do it on my own. It's all about surrendering to him. And it's one of the most practical and powerful ways that we can do that. That we can fuel our relationship with him. And prayer teaches us to surrender our wills to the Father and it, and it, and it forces us to slow down listen. Man, isn't that something that we need more of in our lives and in our world today, just to slow down and to listen. So I stepped into this lead minister role here at Sherwood Oaks about a year and a half ago. My mother-in-law gave me this, this little book on prayer that I don't say this lightly, I think that it was a kind of a divine appointment that I needed to, to read that book because there was something in there that the author stated that that has not only kind of guided my life, but also guided the course of our ministry at the church over the last couple of years. The author, David Butts, writes these words. He says, if this is your church, you better hurry up and start. But if this is Jesus' church, and it is, you better slow down and listen. If I can be transparent, maybe even a little vulnerable with you this morning, as I stepped into this position on the heels of a 40-year term minister, Tom Ellsworth, I mean, hero of my own faith, (laughs) like there was this, this feeling that I had that I had to like prove myself, that like I had to be Tom or I had to be a version of Tom that people wanted me to be, (laughs) that I had, we had to get going. Because people wanted to see, where's this train going? And we need to start getting there. But what I'm finding is this joy of surrender. The joy of giving up control to the one who is actually in control. The joy of breathing, listening. Through prayer, I'm learning how even when it's hard, to surrender. I wonder if there's a place in your life where the Lord is maybe inviting you to do the same thing, to let go, to slow down, to listen, to surrender to him. Not only did Jesus model for us how to pray, but he modeled for us how to live after we pray, how to live in this this act of surrender and following, even when it's hard. And on the night of his crucifixion, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, if there's any other way for salvation to come, let's do it that way, like the way that doesn't involve me going to the cross. (laughs) Three times Jesus prayed that so intently that that Luke tells us his, his sweat was like drops of blood. And three times God answered with silence. And so Jesus, in full surrender and submission to the Father, got up and walked to the cross for you and for me and laid down his life for us. So when we put our faith in him, on his death, burial, and his resurrection, we can be saved. We can find that love and that grace that our hearts so desperately desire.
And if you want to talk to someone more about what it means to surrender and follow, we'd love to talk to you more about that. But right now, we're going to move into a time of communion where we remember Jesus, his body given for us and his blood shed as an act of surrender out of love and for our grace. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how much you love us and how you call us into a deep, abiding, satisfying relationship with you. How, Lord, even before we pursue you, you are pursuing us. You are drawing us closer to you through your Holy Spirit, and you are showing us how much you love us. And, and Father, how even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, God, that in every single way you invite us to surrender, in every single way you show us that you are worthy to surrender to. So Father, I pray that our life in you will be hidden so deeply, rooted so firmly that nothing in this world can shake it, that nothing that comes our way can blow us down. And Father, I pray that you will grow and meet us where we are, whether we feel like we are strong in our faith and our prayer life or we are weak. God, meet us where we are and draw us closer to you, Father. And Lord, I pray, God, I pray a blessing over this church family. And I am so grateful for them and for what you are doing in them and through them. Lord, I am excited to see what you are going to do in them next. And, and Lord, I know that sounds like a cliche, but Lord, I truly am because I know you are at work here. That you are using these men and women, these children, to bring your kingdom closer to earth here in Bloomington and beyond. And so, Lord, I pray just your continued blessing and provision for them. I pray, Lord, that in the coming months and years, all of us collectively will look back and say, look at what the Lord has done because it is apparent that no one else could have done it but you. God, grow this church. Make it strong in you. Bring more people to Jesus through this church. And Father, may we collectively, the church, bring your kingdom to this earth together. In Jesus' name.